People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, and we're still here on location in Palm Springs, and boy, is it hot. Oh, I know. we got an exciting topic today. How exciting uh, is this topic? Are we ready to bundle? I love bundles. Those little <laughs> bundles of joy. Is that what it's called? <laughs> no, no, this is a actually, different kind we're of bundle. talk about... Something that patients don't often hear about is some of the reimbursement policies that affect kidney patients. And, you know, we have two experts today that are going to talk to us about, you know, what does bundling mean? We have two special guests. I mean, Dr. Mike Lazarus, who's the medical director for Fresenius Medical Care. Do you know about Fresenius Medical Care? I, I, you know, when I first did in-center dialysis, um, I was in a Fresenius unit. But when I traveled, I went to the other unit called Davita. Well, you know, Fresenius is the largest provider of services and products for dialysis patients in the United States and worldwide. They have 1,574 dialysis clinics and serve 118,000 patients. Now, how do you know all this? Oh, you're reading off of a list. (laughs) I see. You know, Fresenius Medical Care not only provides dialysis services, they also manufacture dialysis equipment, says, you know, is a hemodialysis machine, which we're all aware of. Fresenius makes them... uh, Hemodialysis wow. machines. You sound like a commercial for Fresenius. <laughs> Dialyzers and disposable products, which I think is really important to this discussion because um, Fresenius is like an integrated healthcare system. They, they not only deliver the dialysis services, they actually create the products as well, like the dialyzers and different things that are utilized. So it's very interesting, or as some people would call it, a monopoly. <laughs> And then Dr. Peter Crooks. Oh, I love Dr. Peter Crooks. (laughs) He is a physician director of the renal program of Kaiser Permanente in Southern California. I love their commercials on Kaiser Permanente. Oh, yeah, the Thrive. Yeah, they they have some really nice commercials, don't they? Kaiser Permanente is a fully integrated healthcare system. And what that really means is, you know... Same as Fresenius. Well, no, it's a little bit different because they not only provide, you know, dialysis services, they also provide, you know, they have the hospitals. They do transplants too, right? You know, they're really in control of every aspect of the care. I mean, they're a fully integrated system. And they do transplants. They do transplants. They have, um, you know, they service about 5,500 dialysis and transplant patients, and most of them are in California. But what's really interesting about this is that their system is such that they see over 8 million people, so they can kind of understand when people have kidney disease and try to help them move them through the system because they hire the doctors. They can tell the doctors what to do. They can tell the surgeon what to do. Right now, if you're in a dialysis clinic and your access clots, you got to find your surgeon and hope that they can fit you in. Kaiser, on the other hand, can say, you know, look, fix this this access by such and such a time because if we don't it's going to cost us more money because that patient's going to get sicker so the kaiser model is what i really refer to is a super bundle model because they own the hospitals and you know they own the pharma super bundle i don't know how to really even uh, there's different types of bundling that's like double secret probation 
driving a cab in a Big Apple could really get on your nerves. With all the traffic, the noises, the rude drivers. Oh! Watch where you're going, wise guy. Get some glasses. Oh, where was I? Oh, yeah, the rude drivers. There's one thing I wish was a little louder or not so quiet. Secondary hyperparathyroidism. I know it's a big word, but you know what? It's a big problem. It's often referred to as a silent disease. I didn't even know what I had until I experienced weakness, achy bones, itchy skin, and sexual dysfunction. But you didn't hear that last one from me. Some people call it the bone disease because of the loss of too much phosphorus and calcium. But what you don't know, Mr. Smarty Pants, is that it also affects soft tissue like the heart, the lungs, the blood vessels, bada bing, bada boom, and that's about everything. So don't be a wise guy. Wise up and talk to your doctor about the big boy. Secondary hyperparathyroidism. Whoa, for crying out loud, do me a favor, Grandma. Get off the road and throw away your keys. Well, Stephen, we're here with two exciting guests, Dr. Peter Crooks and Dr. Mike oh, Lazarus. I am so nervous because we got two doctors here. I know, I know. And I can't even afford to go to one doctor, and we got two of them right here for free. <laughs> this is exciting to me, I got to tell you. Well, we're here to learn about bundling. Um, maybe uh, one of you could explain what bundling? is what bundling. Bundling? What is bundling? I don't even know what it is. Well, thanks, Stephen Lloyd, for inviting me to be here. And uh, as a physician director of a, of a large uh, program at Kaiser Permanente, we have some 5,000 plus ESRD patients. In addition to making sure we get good quality care, we also want to buy value, quality. And so when we purchase dialysis services, we'd like to get the most for our money okay. because there's limited resources for health care everywhere so, in the country. So bundling is basically you you buy all the services or you basically contract all the services so as a patient right now when I go to a dialysis unit I might have to go over to my vascular surgeon which is a different one but you're actually you're taking care of that in your model so you're we it's do. like a bundled we're, we're, system. We're in a very fortunate situation in Kaiser Permanente because we're the doctors, we're the health plan, and we're the hospitals, and we're all working together. And you're all in one location? Is that what it is? Well, we have 11 <laughs> medical centers in Southern California. No, but I meant but like in the neighborhood, right. I would go to, let's say, Woodland Hills. That's right. And I wouldn't have to go to any, I wouldn't have to see a specialist across town. You know, right. once in a while, if you need brain surgery or something, you he may does have to need go brain few, surgery, uh, so yeah. he probably <laughs> would need to contract with somebody else. <laughs> Thank you very so, much. Uh, so bundling is, is a different way to pay for services, and, and I think it's important to understand how Medicare pays for dialysis services now in, for the majority of patients. Medicare is the largest payer for dialysis services, and basically it's a fee-for-service system. And, and Mike can certainly jump in and correct me if I misstate this, but there's a payment for each dialysis treatment. There's a payment for every medication that's given intravenously right. and, other, and, and laboratory services. These are all billed separately on line item statements, bills sent to Medicare. Right. Bundling means to take some of these components and put them together and, and give one payment. For instance, you could decide to bundle the dialysis services and you could put in the medications. Or you could put in one medication and not others. So there's a lot of ways bundling could happen. But the concept of bundling is to put more things into the payment. Well, oh, so, so, so Dr. Lazarus, this is kind of like a, a, a buffet, right? You, go, like you pay buffet. one price and you get to get choose. everything you know, what you want, That's right? exactly right. It's, it's like maybe liking to buy a car. You can buy a car with just nothing on it, and if you add chrome or you add extras along the way, 
you pay extra for those. Or if you go in and say, I want everything, I want the package, you get everything included. So CD, a dialysis bundle would be <laughs> the dialysis itself, the lab, all the drugs. The government would pay us as a provider, I'm a provider, they would pay us a lump sum of money. And then we would decide, not based on how much we get paid on an individual drug or an individual lab, but how would we manage that? So right now, in dialysis, you have your dialysis treatment, but if you get an injectable drug given to you during dialysis in the, the not the Kaiser model, but in this, the current model right, right. now, that's billed separately. That's billed separately. So bundling would actually say, you got to include that now. And so you it would leave you up to predict what we're going to need, because if they don't get all the services in, we may forget that we wanted that CD player and then all of yeah. we have all CDs and we can't play them in our car. I always hated the extended warranty. Because <laughs> you never use it. So let me ask you, bottom line, is it cheaper for the government? Is it cheaper for the patient? Is it cheaper for the corporation like Kaiser or Fresenius? What well, the it? government is, as government may be, is sometimes cynical. And they believe that maybe the doctor and the provider give drugs that are not necessary or give more than is necessary. And so government does, I believe, see bundling as a way to control costs. That if they give us a lump sum of money, they say we're going to pay you this much money for everything, that the provider will say, well, for me to be able to survive and to make a little profit, I have to give this much of that drug or I have to do other things better so that I can operate within the cost I'm paid. So it now, really is like a buffet, and we got to make sure we don't leave dessert out. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> the patient should be concerned that the provider doesn't say, well, I can't quite make it without giving the EPO, so I'm going to cut the EPO dose back so I can make it. Well, that would mean to the patient that maybe their hemoglobin would not be as high, and therefore they would not feel as well. Right. Now, I don't think that providers will do that. It's my belief that we would do the right thing. But the government says, listen, we're paying for it. We want to make sure that the patient gets what we're paying for. So we have to have measures. And this is where it becomes very important that there are certain measures that the government and the industry is now talking about that we can decide, all right, we agree that we will have this many patients that will reach this goal. And if we don't make that, then you won't pay us. Right. And so, those measures are like hematocrit level, adequacy of dialysis, are those the different measures that you're talking those about? Those are measures, but it's, it's how many patients reach the goal. I mean, the provider would say, in my dialysis unit, if I have 100 patients, I'm going to tell the government that 80% of my patients will get a hemoglobin value of 11 or greater. It's okay. almost like an academic uh, criteria. Exactly. You know, it's and like it's, a grade. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, like, so it's grade. like leave no dialysis patient behind. Correct. Exactly. Right. One of the things that's interesting, though, when I hear bundling and they talk about large populations as a patient, I'm like, will they not want to take me because I'm too sick? That's one of the things that instills fear is, you know, if I'm a patient who's really sick and the doctor sees me, I'm like, oh, my God, they're a train wreck. Will they not want to take us? Well, that's and a, is that, that's has, that, has that happened? That won't happen in, in our model, I don't think. But to step back a bit, I think that's a very good concern. I think that's why patients should know how their dialysis is being paid for. And, and uh, because that's a legitimate concern. If I have more comorbid conditions and they're getting a standard rate now, for dialysis. Now, comorbid conditions, you got to talk patient terms. That means that 
<laughs> that the patient has high blood pressure, okay. diabetes, that they different have illnesses, diabetes, that, yeah. or some some well, other all conditions. All dialysis patients going to have high blood pressure or diabetes That's or right. something like that. It's hard to find a dialysis patient that doesn't right. have one or more comorbid conditions. So a patient who right. has several problems might have a, a genuine fear that I'm not going to be able to find anybody to dialyze me because they're going to lose money on me if there's a bundled right. rate. So one one thing that is being built in in these earlier dis, early discussions is that the number of comorbid conditions, the patient's age, and other factors will go into the amount that's paid for. So that would not put such a patient at a disadvantage. One of the things when I think about it, though, is that, okay, let's say the government decides that we're going to agree this amount and we're going to give you X amount of dollars. But one of the things as a patient that I'm afraid about is that in my lifetime of 38 years of kidney disease, I've seen technology just increase. Well, they consider there might be something better, but then it'll prevent the companies from having the money to invest in it because it's better for me, but we're stuck with a reimbursement system that's kind of similar to today's. I mean, we have a flawed reimbursement system today. And my fear is I don't want to trade one flawed reimbursement system for another and prevent technology because there could be the best invention out there and nobody can afford it. We have to be mindful that we, we do in fact get paid enough that when something new and better comes along that we can afford to provide it. If a treatment comes and it's so expensive that everybody said, well, we can't afford to give that to patients and we bypass it, Patients will never see that. Mm -hmm. And medical equipment gets more and more costly. I mean, if you talk about coronary stents, those are the little stents that doctors now put in your heart when you have hardening of the arteries of your heart. When they first came out, they were extraordinarily expensive. And people looked and said, well, Nobody will ever do that. They'll never put these yeah, stents in. Yeah, you can get them at the 99-cent store. You get them? <laughs> well, not quite that cheap. No. But what it has shown is that you save hospitalization, and the number of patients that now have open-heart surgery has dropped phenomenally. So this costly device ends up saving the government money. So you have to be thoughtful. New equipment that comes that we have to invest in developing it, we have to invest in it to see if ultimately we'll improve patient care to where we can keep people out of hospitals. And it's all about trying to keep patients out of the hospital. I want to stay out of the hospital. I don't know about you, but I missed a Whitney Houston concert because I was in the hospital for my vascular access clotting. Did I tell the story to you before? Uh, many times. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I want to I go into the hospital because I just love the food there. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about more about bundling. And it, me as a patient, am I going to notice whether I'm bundled or not? Because I get awfully cold. Hello? Hi, Mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fellow to death, those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines? Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed? You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for Taekwondo. Bye, Mom. Changes. Turn and face the strange. Changes. Don't wanna be a real.
So me as a patient, am I going to notice whether I'm bundled or not? <laughs> not unless somebody tells you. Uh, and patients should ask because, well, I hope most patients know how they're being paid. And, and right now there are three major ways that patients have their dialysis paid for. Either they have private insurance, they have an insurance company that pays for the dialysis, or they are Medicare, or they're Medicaid. They're one of those. And most patients know whether they're Medicaid or Medicare or whether they have private insurance. I, I'd like to go back to the barter system. You know, I bring them like a ham. <laughs> And they give me a dialysis. <laughs> I, mean, don't you, I love the burger system. You need three hams a week. Yeah. I tell you, if you want to be your healthcare professional's best friend, bring them food. <laughs> yeah, I did all the time. I brought them food. Yeah. You, do you think that patients will have to ever bring their medications in? I mean, if they bundle, will that ever be a fear? There's different things that over the course of I've seen care being delivered that has slowly disappeared. Yeah, they won't give us From, blankets at the Fresenius unit anymore. Well, that's. Uh, <laughs> Probably because they are not clean if we don't uh, oh, use true. an artificial or disposable blanket. Probably. Which is Probably. And what does Kaiser give us? Uh, like clams on the half shell and stuff, right? <laughs> well, we, we send most of our patients to uh, Mike's unit. So. Oh, to first Do you really? Yeah. So you don't have your own Matter unit Matter of fact, we have a bundling contract with them, a bundled contract with them. And, and it's, uh, I don't know if this is what the Medicare model will come out. Like in regards to do patients get good outcomes, uh, in our bundled contract, uh, it turns out that the FMC facilities that Mike oversees uh, that have the bundled contract have excellent outcomes. We do very well. So the patients, I think, you know, really should not worry that most providers, I won't say all, but most providers I think are going to do the right thing and give whatever is included in the bundle. So patients need to understand when they talk to their Medicare provider or whoever is providing their coverage is if they're in a bundle and you should ask Medicare, and they're not now, right. but in the they're future. They're talking about it, so I think it's gonna come ask, down the pike. Am I in a bundle? And if I am, what is included? I get my dialysis, I get all of my laboratory, I get all of my drugs, do I get IV drugs? Do I get drugs that I take by mouth? Is transportation. Transportation include what's included. We what's should just not. come up with the everything we want and tell them have them take it away. We need like t nutritional supplements. I mean, yeah. one thing that's always amazed me is that it's impossible to live a long life with kidney disease if you do not have nutritional status. I come across patients all the time who can't afford to eat the right diet. So. It's a you know they can't um, afford high quality protein and so they eat low quality protein, their phosphorus level goes up, and they're doomed. I mean you cannot live with this illness, with a high phosphorus. I've had so many friends pass away from calciphylaxis. Are you saying that chicken McNuggets is not a high quality protein? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. Um, and you know it's frustrating because when we talk about bundling, I think this is an opportunity, and that's one of the goals of the show is for patients to really say, "Look, the government, if they're going to talk about bundling us, we need to step forward and say what we need to live a quality life." Because I don't want patients to always just say, "Okay, take care of me." This is what we need. Part of the Medicare program is is what what is covered. One of the things that Medicare does not cover is foods. Right. They don't cover foods, and so they lump supplements into the food category. Right, they don't cover vitamins. And, you know, the vitamins that I take, I, I, you have I mean, to pay for. Nef or something, yeah. FA, it's quite expensive. Yeah. 
And so you're, I'm having to go to you know Costco or yeah. Walmart or something. It's not considered. Like it's not considered a medication. So I mean, if if we as a society, if patients want to change that, we need to go to government and say we want to spend more money on healthcare now. That that's a big issue. Does this country? Do we as a people want to spend more money and have food covered under Medicare? Well, I think transportation, they, other things like you, that. You know, it's strange because if they have food supplements, I believe that they'll do better. It, it's interesting. It's like goes back to that heart stint. That you know, you have to pay a little bit of money, but you'll actually help the patient in the long run. But the problem is, is there's so much fraud in this whole Medicare situation mm -hmm. that when you uh, take in food now, all of a sudden everybody is, wants it. People take advantage of it. Is beer going to become a food supplement? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, Medicare has paid for for protein supplements under a couple of special circumstances. Uh, Medicare period periodically will do a demonstration project to look at a payment scheme. Mm -hmm. We were involved with one in Kaiser Permanente, and we did offer nutritional supplements, particularly for patients that had low albumin levels, meaning that they had signs of, of being malnourished. And in another demonstration project currently underway that FMC is involved in, they are also providing these supplements. So this has been done by Medicare, and I don't think you have to say all food is covered, but maybe in certain circumstances it makes a lot of sense. Those yes. are managed care programs, both of Right. which Peter just talked about. And, you know, how does this affect now the transplant patient? Okay, you get Medicare for three years after you're transplanted. Now, what if you can't afford the 1500 to $3,000 a month medications mm -hmm. to stay off of dialysis? Wouldn't it be more advantageous for the government to pay for these medications so you don't have to go back on dialysis? You would certainly think so. <laughs> and I think when, when the Medicare program and the coverage for transplant first started in the 70s, we all thought when patients got transplanted, they'd go back to work and they'd be able to afford medications. Well, that turns out not to be true. And so there's a gap here. Transplant patients, many of them cannot go back to work, cannot afford to buy insurance, and cannot afford the drugs. It, it is ill-conceived to me to let somebody not take their drugs, lose their transplant, and go back to dialysis. Now, That's how do we change that good. other than, you know, the same old thing, write your congressman or tell your congressman? Congress has been told in yeah. more than once. But I think that's the, that's the answer, is patients have to walk with their votes and walk with their they, feet. Exactly. And you know what I think is interesting about the transplant medication is I think the donor families need to be mad because we're going around the country asking people to donate their kidneys. And, you know, if you donated one of your loved one's kidneys to me and found out I rejected it because I couldn't afford the meds, you need to get mad because I think they, you're the appropriate voice because they keep asking people to donate organs. And if we don't have the means, I've met so many teens who've lost their transplants because of canning Yeah, we met meds. that Janine, what was her oh, name? Oh, Jeanette, Jean I mean, Jeanette, it's she's 19 years old. Oh. She could not afford the meds and she just lost her kidney. Yes. The yeah, society should do. be upset, not just the donors, but the patients just get wrong so, and it also is yeah. just much more expensive and, and the bills come back eventually to Medicare again, so we all pay. Well, one of the things that's a concern of patients too is that uh, we see more and more dialysis units being bought, being, uh, you know, there's these mergers. Every time I'm walking right, so, around, there's a new unit being right, bought. Right, so if I'm not going to a Fresenius unit or I'm not going to a big corporation like Vita Kaiser, unit. so what if I'm going to, like, Frankie's dialysis unit and hot dog stand? So, you know, how does that affect him and how does that affect me? Does bundling uh, go in effect there, too? Well, I think the smaller providers will have more difficulty with bundling. 
And that's because the big companies, and that's the reason that the companies merge is, is, is like everything else, when you buy in volume, if you can buy a lot of something, you can get the price cheaper. So uh, everything is cheaper when you're bigger. It's kind of like McDonald's. I mean, you get six million hamburgers, you get hamburger meat a little cheaper. Or the $13 burger that I bought here at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they will have a harder time. They don't have the buying power, and if there's a fixed bundle, then I think small providers will have more difficulty. Uh, but, but I think government's very cognizant of that, and I don't believe the government will do anything that will not allow small dialysis providers to exist, because it's very important that they do so. Well, what are some of the biggest concerns? Because I'd like to hear from both of you. Um, as, we, as we develop bundling, and I mean, you have a model, but in my heart, I feel in the future, we're going to end up bundling dialysis patients. What can patients do to really understand it? What do they have to look for? Because if they're not getting it right, we need to get out and speak and stomp and yell, because this is our life. And this is our system and we got to make it the best it is and we have to speak up. So what are some of the pitfalls that patients need to look for? I think the most important thing, and Mike already alluded to it, was that quality measurement has to be part of it. If you just said we're going to give you so much money to do the dialysis treatment, there in theory would be nothing to stop the dialysis providers from taking shortcuts and patient Making care. Making more money and... Right. And so um, it's, it's just critical and patients need to understand that quality outcomes uh, have to be part of it and should have a voice in what those quality outcomes are. Um, quality of life measures may be something that it's easy for the providers to overlook or patient right. satisfaction issues, maybe those should be part of the bundle so that the patient's feeling better and satisfied that they're getting good care, that yeah. maybe should be part of the bundle. Functioning and well-being is so important. And part of, part of what Peter says is for patients to really know your number. We talk about knowing your number for cholesterol. Mm -hmm. But for a dialysis patient or a transplant patient, uh, it's extraordinarily important to know and to ask when you go in how good my dialysis was. We call that a KT over V. What is my KT over V? That number should be 1.2. What is my hemoglobin? What is my phosphorus? What is my calcium? All of these tests that we do, I really encourage patients to know the numbers. Most of the dietitians have little charts and they go with, with you. But if you know what your number is and know what it should be, and if you're not making that number because of something the provider's doing, because he's bundling inappropriately, then the patient should say, listen, I'm doing everything I can do, but I'm not making the number that I should have, and it's because of something that you're, you're doing. doing. So patients really have to understand what the measures are and be involved, and a lot of getting to the right number is, is equally important that the patients play an important role in that. Right. If we don't show up, if we don't stay, decide to stay on the machine, if we don't eat right, I mean, there's the such, if we don't take our medicines, um, you know, there's so much that we play a role in our own care, but at the same time, if we don't have a health care system, I mean, we really are partners. If you don't do it, you feel bad and you feel worse, and if you feel worse, then you, you, you're even more unlikely to do it, and right. so it's kind of a catch-22. Yes. And, you know, I have patients tell me when they get the flu or they get a little sick with something else is, I don't feel good, I'm not going to come to dialysis. Well, what that's going to do is make you even worse. Right. So when you get some other problem, that's when you really need to get more treatment and take your medicines. And so that's the important role I think patients have to play. But knowledge, knowledge is really important to know what's going on, and, and that's the best way to understand the bundle is 
am I making my numbers and is there something that's going on with the payment system that's not making right. me make my numbers? Right. So Dr. Dr. Crooks, what have you learned from the Kaiser model? Well, one, one thing that's become clear to me over the years working uh, with Kaiser and ESRD patients is it takes a team to have good outcomes. It, uh, it takes uh, a village. It takes a village. It takes, <laughs> social workers have, a, have an important role. Uh, there's, uh, if a patient doesn't have a, a roof over their head, uh, if they can't get to the dialysis treatment, you know, all the best trained staff in the world can't help them. Uh, if the patient doesn't know how to eat right, you know, we're, gonna, we're, we're set up for failure. So the dietitian is important. Mm -hmm. And uh, we in Kaiser have pharmacists on our renal team because, as you know, patients on dialysis average 10, 15, 20 medications. Sometimes they're getting prescriptions from different doctors, and, and the doctors may not know what the other doctor right. is giving them. So the pharmacists find amazing things, uh, duplicated medicines, you know, generic and a brand name, and they're taking the same medicine, they don't even know it. Uh, interactions are possible. So a pharmacist has uh, an important role. And so we've set up our care model based on case management, nurse case managers, and a team that reflects what is in the, in the dialysis, what Medicare expects there to be in the dialysis unit, but a little more, more case management, the renal pharmacist, and uh, that it takes really a team effort, and, and of course the patient plays the pivotal role. If, they, uh, if you have a great team, but the patient doesn't show up for treatment, is right. cutting their treatments short, won't take their medications, then... They're uh, depressed. <laughs> they're depressed, right, it's time, or they have sleep apnea or something else, right? Wow. Well, thank you guys for coming in. This is so great, so interesting. What a great, interesting topic this is. Yeah. And a little bit controversial, right? A lot of people in the community, and, and myself included, is that, you know, the whole bundling system, the, the concept, because we are an entitlement program, if it's done wrong, I mean, if they don't finish the demonstration project, I know they have a demonstration project, really trying to understand it, we could get stuck with a horrible system and not know how to fix it. And that's really, in a way, what happened right now with the reimbursement system. They messed up with one little word. We will not increase the composite rate or update it for inflation. And in a way, it's really impacted patient in the community because they don't have an increase for inflation to provide new services. So it, I think this could be an opportunity to get it right, but we are gonna have to fight for everything. And, and before we go, is it true uh, the rumor that uh, Fresenius and DeVita are going to like merge? And <laughs> Decinius? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> the government would have a stroke. Well, now that I have mastered Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers, how many pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? Let's see what my next challenge will be. It's in here somewhere. Say this three times fast. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. Now if I only knew what that means. A fistula should be your first choice for your dialysis access. It says here, less infection and less hospitalizations. That's good. Yes, yes, yes. Lasts longer. Some patients have had their fistula for more than 30 years? Oy. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Fistula first feels fantastic for future fitness. For more information, please visit fistulafirst.org. Do it now. Change.
Wow, bundling. How do you like that? I don't know. I'm going to go get a blanket. It's the wave of the future. <laughs> and you know, the patients, you really know how treatment's getting paid for and if their unit is cutting corners or whatever. Yes, they got to speak up and they got to, you know, it's our life. And so often I find patients just think, oh, the healthcare professionals will take care of it for me. We have to be active participants because they may not be aware that we may need something and this may be the solution to really helping us. I mean, I consistently hear from patients that they don't feel like they get enough emotional support. I mean, we're dealing with, you know, terrible life situations, losing job, and it's impossible to dialyze and do all the crap that you gotta do with this illness when you're depressed. But you know what, you, you can't say that on the radio. Oh, you can't say that, okay. okay. So, um, <laughs> and you know, one of the things that I'm always perplexed at is that dialysis is difficult. And one of the things that people don't understand is that it's normal to be depressed. And what do you do to help the patient learn how to live with this illness and live well? Because that depressed patient can just suck all the healthcare resources. I've seen them in units. The patients who well, are depressed, and they can't get the talk. services. They could listen to kidney talking. And the Kaiser Permanente guy, you know, uh, I've never been to the... Dr. Uh, Crooks? Yeah, the well, Kaiser Permanente guy. I, I've never been to Kaiser, but I hear it's a great hospital because I know like the teachers of Los Angeles all belong to Kaiser Permanente. And I love their commercials, and I forgot to ask the guy about the commercials. You what know? did you want to know about the commercials? I wanted to know who was their ad agency because they, oh. they're great commercials. You know, I really and you like write them. some great commercials, so you're trying. I write the commercials, here. right? But I think the message is that we got to remember that patients need to be involved, and you know, we're going to hear a lot about bundling. Um, renal disease program is an entitlement program, and at the end of the day, I hope that everybody listening will take an active role, learn about this situation and speak up. Don't say entitlement, she'll scare the Republicans. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Astellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.